Uh, if I've not had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Aaron, uh, teaching pastor here at Riverwood. Uh, I am so glad you're here. Uh, as we start off 2019, we want to start off with 21 days of fasting and prayer. Uh, this could be very, very significant uh, for some of you. Uh, and so I'm really glad that you're here. And uh, hopefully if the people who aren't here are going to be able to listen to this uh, on the podcast later. And I'm, I'm just really believing that God is going to do something significant in us. Have you, have you ever had someone ask you a question where you knew that the question really had like an, another purpose behind it? I mean, maybe it was like in a job interview or maybe it was in the kitchen with your spouse if you're married or, you know, in a car with a friend or maybe, maybe it was a little kid and they come up and they ask something really, really sweetly. But you know the question is not really what they're wanting. Like there's something behind it. It's like they have this hidden agenda. A- anyone ever had that? Okay, yeah, most, most hands go up. I think some people suspect that churches have a hidden agenda, that they suspect that the the church will say one thing, but really behind the scenes, they're just wanting more of your money or they're, they're just wanting more of your time so that they can brag about how big they are, all the things that they are able to accomplish. Well, I, I personally don't feel like I've done a very good job of keeping Riverwood's agenda hidden, but just in case you aren't completely sure what our agenda is, I'm just going to lay it out here. Here's our agenda. We believe that people need Jesus. I need Jesus. I think many of you would agree that you need Jesus. And there are people outside of this room who desperately need Jesus. You see, I believe the biblical narrative that God created Adam and Eve in this garden of Eden And he created them perfect. And when he created them, he did something differently with them than he did with anyone else. He placed within them his image. And it's that image that set humanity apart from the rest of creation. It's the will and intellect and personality that humans have that the rest of creation just doesn't quite have in the same abundance. It's what separates us. But then Adam and Eve used that image of God to make a decision to rebel, to break the only command that God gave them. Don't eat of this one fruit. And they did it. And when they did, sin entered into the story and it began to devastate and infect everything. And possibly greatest and most damaging of all was that sin broke the image The image of God that was within humans became distorted. It it became kind of blurred. It was not removed. It remained, but it was no longer the way that God had created it. Now this created a problem. You see, God loved humans deeply. Like they bear his image. Like they, they have his brand say, this one's mine. And yet God, being a perfect holy God, can't allow sin into his presence. And so the relationship was broken. Thankfully, God had a plan. God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus, to this earth, who lived a sinless life because he was fully God, but who also went and died in humanity's place because he was fully human. And by dying in our place, paying the penalty for sin, it allowed that image of God to begin to be restored and for humanity to come back into a relationship with God. I need Jesus. 
you need Jesus. And when you believe this story and you say, yes, it's true, and you put your identity into it, everything changes. Your spiritual state changes, like who you are and your identity changes, your future changes, your present can change, and your past can be redeemed. And there are people who don't know the story. So our agenda is to help them meet the story, to meet Jesus, to find him and follow him. But, but there is a limit to our agenda. <laughs> the limit is me. You see, I, I'm just one man. I, God, in his infinite wisdom, did not design me to be the next Billy Graham. I have yet to be invited to preach to stadiums of people. And so that means God has a different plan. And so if we're going to see his agenda met, if we're going to see the mission fulfilled, it means it doesn't rest on just one person. It rests on all of us. And so I believe in Ephesians 4.11, which says that guys like me, pastors, evangelists, apostles, these, these people, their job and role isn't to just do the ministry and feed all of us. It's to equip us to do the ministry. And so for God's agenda to be fulfilled, it means all of us together say yes to being sent. And it means we get sent into our neighborhoods, to our workplaces, to our schools. And some of us, it's going to mean we're going to get sent to the ends of the earth. We're going to end up going to other locations because we're going to fully give our life to, to God. And he's going to take us somewhere because there are people who need Jesus. So that's why in 2019, we're starting off our year with 21 day, days of prayer. We're going to start off with these three weeks of just committing ourselves to get to a place where we say, Lord, send me. For some of you, being sent is into your home. Some of you, it's being sent into your uh, workplace. It's being sent to school. But there's kind of a problem. Because before we can be sent, we have to be fully surrendered. And, and so that's why we're going to pray, Lord, break me. We're going to ask God to do some deep work in us, believing that by him doing the deep work in us, he's going to then be able to do the great work through us. But that's scary. Next week, I'm going to be sharing some of my own story of how I prayed a very similar prayer of Lord, break me and how it didn't ruin my life, but it definitely upended my life. Some of you, you're going to need to hear this and you're going to need to pray this. And so in order for us to be able to say, Lord, break me so that we can then say, Lord, send me, we need to start off with an opening prayer, a preparatory prayer, a prayer that's like anesthesia as we climb onto God's surgical table so that he can take his spiritual knife and carve us back into that image of Jesus so that we will go and love like Jesus loved and live like Jesus lived. And so the anesthesia that we're going to uh, pray is, Lord, search me. Converge, uh, if you don't know, Riverwood is part of Converge, a, a network of churches that used to be known as the General Baptist Conference. Uh, but then just through the, just some heart changes and where they were going, uh, they, they felt it was more, better reflected to change their name. And so about 10, 15 years ago, they became known as Converge. And, and we are part of Converge North Central. It's Minnesota and Iowa combined. And because you know, I, I joke to people that the Baptists are in, fiercely independent. And so there's no one telling us how to do ministry. And so last year they said, hey, for the first time, I, I don't know if they ever tried this before, but they said, hey, we'd like to encourage you to do 21 days of fasting and prayer. Out of 46,000 churches that are part of Converge, a few hundred did it. We were one of them. I felt, felt it was really good last year. I really enjoyed that we did it. 
But when I got the email again this year saying, hey, why don't you do the 21 days of fasting and prayer again? I'll be honest, my initial response was, nah, been there, done that. I mean, that, that's, that's my personality. Like, oh, I've already seen that movie. Yeah, I read that book. Oh yeah, I've, I've tried that food before. I, I tend to look for the new. I want to experience something else. And so when they said, hey, would you do 21 days of fasting and prayer again? It's like, yeah, I'm good. But then I remembered, you know what? God's given us elders. So I, I probably should bring something like this to them. So I brought it to Tim, Luke, and Ed, and the three of them looked at me and said, yeah, I think we should do it. Well, okay. And then one of them was honest enough to say, Aaron, um, I need a mulligan because I didn't really take advantage of it last year. I, I need to do it again. And so we decided we need to start off 2019 by just committing ourselves for 21 days to really praying. Now this year, we're not putting so much of the emphasis on fasting like we did last time. I'm going to give you permission though. If you want to fast something, maybe entertainment, maybe a meal a day, maybe a certain type of food, maybe, you know, certain media. If you want to fast as part of these 21 days, by all means do. But this year, I want us to be putting the emphasis on these three dangerous prayers. Because I think if we genuinely, as individuals and as a church family, genuinely pray, Lord, search me, Lord, break me, Lord, send me we can see something significant happen in our lives and through our lives in 2019. But there's a reason this is being called dangerous prayers. Because it's not that you're inviting danger into your life. It's that you're basically saying, God, I give you permission to upend my life. Do in me and through me whatever you want. And that's why today we have to start with search me. We've got to start with this opening prayer to, in a sense, soften our hearts and prepare us for what God wants to begin to say next week and even the week after to prepare us to be on this mission and fulfill his agenda. So if you brought a Bible, would you open it up to Psalm chapter 139, 139. Uh, Psalm 139 is one of my favorite Psalms in all of scripture. Uh, by the way, if you don't have a Bible with you, whether on your phone or a paper copy, I'm going to have the screen, uh, scripture up on the screen, uh, here. If you don't own a Bible, please stop by our give and grow table afterwards. Take one with you. We, it's our gift to you or download a Bible right now to your smartphone. And that way you can use it. We are going to read this though together. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to read it once aloud. And uh, I want you to just hear it. And then we're all going to look at the screens and we're going to read it together. But when we read it together, it's not just reading it. The reason I want to read it once to you is so that you can kind of hear it. So now you get the flow, you know the words, you know where it's going, and then you can begin to pray it. And so our prayer today is going to be this. So would you read along first with me quietly as I read? And then would you join me aloud as we pray it together? Search me, O oh God. And know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Now, will you pray this with me? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. In this prayer, I see David make four prayerful invitations. Those things, if you're a fill in the blank type of person, this is what goes in your handouts. It's search me. Go ahead and put it up there. Search me, test me, uncover me, and lead me. The first one is search me. Notice the first line of verse 23. 
David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. But if you stop and think about it, does God not know what's in David's heart? I mean, this is an all-knowing God, right? So surely God already knows what's in David's heart. So why does David say, Father, would you know my heart? I, I think it's that David doesn't believe God doesn't know what's there. It's that David knows that he doesn't know what's there. Je- Jeremiah seventeen nine says that the human heart is deceitful above all else and desperately sick. Now, you, you may look at that and say, well, wait, wait a second. I, I'm a good person. I'm, I'm kind. I, I, you know, what, what's this? The heart's deceitful above all other things? Well, I hate to break it to you, but you and I, we're professional liars. And the person that we lie to the most is ourself. I mean, for, for instance, how many of you kind of say, you know, I, I'm not prideful. I just can't help it that I'm better than everyone else. Or, you know, I, I don't struggle with lust. I, I just appreciate the human body. I, I, I'm not greedy. I'm not materialistic. I, I just like fine things. You know, I, I, I don't have a drinking problem. You know, I, I'm just going to have one. Okay, okay a, a second one. Okay, a third. It, it's not a big deal. Okay, another. Okay, yes, I had too many. But I don't have a drinking problem. We lie to ourselves all the time. We fool ourselves into thinking that certain TV programs or movies, they're not going to affect our soul. That we can watch certain cable news programs that's not going to affect the way we view the world or view other people. That that we can eat that sugary food late at night and it's not going to affect the number on the scale. We lie to ourselves all the time. We're we're like GMC, but instead of we are professional grade, we are professional liars. We are so good at it. The human heart is deceitful above all else and is desperately sick. That's why David says, Lord, search me and know my heart. In a sense, he's saying, God, I need you to reveal to me the things that are not of you. And then that leads to his second invitation, his second invitation of test me. It says in the ESV, try me and know my thoughts. Know my thoughts. The English Standard Version, which I'm teaching from uh, today, it just has know my thoughts. And, and I was using a, a tool that uh, allowed me to look at several different translations all at once. And I noticed almost every other translation had know my anxious thoughts. Maybe some of you right now have a, a Bible and you see, well, yeah, it does. It has anxious thoughts. So it made me wonder, why does the ESV drop the word anxious? Well, it turns out that in the Hebrew, it, it can just be thoughts. But more commonly, it is referred to as disquieting thoughts. Like your, your thoughts that really bother you. In a sense, it's your fears. Imagine with me for a second that you, um, that you're at home, doorbell rings, you go to the door and there stand two police officers. One police officer, uh, says to you, um, uh, sorry to bother you here at home, but we're, we're curious, uh, do you know anything about the murder of your elderly neighbor, Sally Mae? You, you suddenly are shocked. Like you, you had no idea that anything happened. And, and, and sweet Sally Mae, I mean, you, you liked your neighbor. Like you, you would take stuff over to her. You'd check in on her. You'd, you'd shovel her drive or maybe mow her lawn. Like, like you really cared for this woman. She'd, she'd become like a, a grandma to you. And someone would murder her? And so you're reeling, you're, you're just shocked and, and you're trying to wrap your mind around this and, and the, the wave of grief hits you. And as you're trying to figure out what in the world, 
The officer says, can I ask you, where were you at 10 o'clock last night? And you're going, oh my, what? what? Like, I, I can barely remember what I had for breakfast. And, and now you've hit me with this news that Sally Mae's been murdered. And I, what, what was I doing at 10 last night? And suddenly because you're hemming and you're hawing and hesitating, suddenly the officer gets just a little more aggressive. And you suddenly realize he's starting to pin it on you, thinking that maybe you had something to do with it. And you respond back, I didn't do it. Like, I loved her. She was so sweet. Why would anyone do that to her? I most certainly didn't. The officer looks at you and says, would you say that under a lie detector test? You'd say, yeah. I mean, you'd say, sure. I mean, just like that. No hesitation because you know you're innocent. But now I want you to imagine that at your front door aren't two police officers, but it's the most holy, perfect God. And he's not just inquiring about the murder of your neighbor. He's inquiring about your sin. And when he says, would you submit to a test? Are you quite so quick to agree? No. Because if you're honest, you know you're guilty. And, and you got to see what he, he says there. He says, you know, tr try me, test me, and know my thoughts. Know my thoughts. Those anxious thoughts, that's your fears. So in other words, he's saying, God, I need you to expose my fears. Re reveal them. This past week, um, uh, at the start of the new year, uh, my good friend Phil and I, we are kind of doing a book together. I can't really say read because it really has more blank pages than actual reading because it's called A Better Hymn, and it is a 31-day challenge for men to, to grow in their faith and, and just grow as servant leaders in their home and in the community. And so I, I found this book, uh, and so Phil and I said, yeah, we're going to do this together. And so day two, the title was Shame the Devil. I thought that was an interesting title. I was trying to figure out what B.J. Thompson, the author, was, was getting at. You know, is it like, say certain prayers, and the devil will be like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. Or, you know, I, I had no idea what, what B.J. was going for. And then I start reading through, and he, he tells a funny story about a booger in your nose, and then he goes a little deeper, and all of a sudden I realize what he's doing. And sure enough, you flip the page, and there's just blank space. And the exercise for that day was to write down anything that you have guilt or shame over from your past or your present. And so I pull out my pen, I get ready to write, and I hesitate. Not because I couldn't think of anything, but because I knew that if I was about to put it down on paper, someone else could pick up my book and read just how weak and pathetic I am. And my fear was revealed. The fear of being truly known. The fear of not being as great as I want people to think I am. The fear just how much I need Jesus. If you're like me, you are afraid of your fears. And so you ignore them. You try to block them out. You don't want to ride in the car in the, in the quiet. You turn on the radio. You want constant noise around because you do not want to even for a moment have your anxious thoughts revealed. And so we try to run from them. We try to keep them in the dark. When they stay in the dark, they just fester and they get worse because one day you're going to have to face these fears. It's inevitable. And David is taking the proactive approach rather than trying to put them off. He's like, God, would you just test me, expose these things, let them be seen. Because if I deal with my fears, then I can accomplish the agenda that you have for me because my agenda, my, my fears are keeping me from you. 
So he's saying, search me, test me. And then it gets worse. He says, uncover me. Notice the third line. It's the first um, part of verse 24. And see if there be any grievous way in me. Uh, because I had a, uh, my tool, uh, my Bible study tools up, and I had some of my Hebrew tools right there. I, I don't know Hebrew. So I was poking around trying to figure out, okay, grievous. What is this grievous way? Because other translations had all sorts of different things. It, it turns out that the word could be translated as pained or it can be translated as idle. I, I thought that was really strange. Like, how is it pain or idle? And then I realized that what David is saying is, God, reveal to me the things that grieve you, the things that bring you pain, the things that I've let become an idol. Because you see, God designed you to be in full relationship with him. He for you to live life the way it's supposed to be lived, he has to be first. And that's when you're going to find the greatest joy is when you find your joy in Jesus. So when we let anything else, whether it be another human or, or, or maybe, you know, a food product or, or, you know, some substance or entertainment or, or, or job or money or whatever it is, when we let that other thing take first place in our heart, like it receives our affections, it receives our attention, we give everything to it, that is an idol and that grieves God. It causes him pain. David's saying, God, if I'm going to follow you, I do not want to cause you pain. So I need you to, to, to test me, to, to expose it, to, to basically uncover it. The majority of humans would be really, really embarrassed to be found naked with no clothes on in front of others. They, they'd hide themselves. They'd try and run from the room. It's so embarrassing. But I think what's even scarier for most of us is to be exposed emotionally. To be exposed just at the raw of who we are. Because if all of us are honest, when we really dig down in there, we find some junk. We have all sorts of fears. We have all sorts of horrible thoughts about other people. We don't fully give ourselves over to the Lord. And David is brave enough to say, God, would you uncover it? Expose my nakedness so that it can be dealt with. How does he do it? How, how does David say, God, search me, test me, uncover me? How does he pray this dangerous prayer? I think we discover it in his fourth thing. And that is lead me to lead me. The last line here says, and lead me in the way everlasting. That, that, that phrase, their way everlasting in, intrigued me. Uh, some had ancient paths. And so again, because I had my Bible study tools open, it was really easy to just start poking around. And I discovered the, the Hebrew word there, it means a long duration of time. It, it, it's often used to say, refer to like the ancient past, like so far back, you, you can't even see the beginning, but it also could mean a long duration into the future. Almost like this idea, you look so far forward that, that you can't see the end. And that's when it dawned on me. I think David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is talking about everlasting life, eternal life. And so then you ask yourself, okay, so how do you achieve eternal life? Well, Jesus himself told us, and probably what's the most famous verse in all of the scripture, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life, everlasting life. And so David, I think, is actually under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit saying Jesus is the way to everlasting. He is eternal life. He is the gospel. 
And that's the advantage that we have over David is that we can look back into the past and we can see the cross. And when we realize that Jesus left his throne in heaven to come down to earth, lived a sinless life, but he went and died the worst kind of death. And he did it because he loved us. When we see that type of love, that's a God we can trust. And if that's a God we can trust, then we can fully and honestly say, Lord, search me, test me, uncover me, because I trust you. And I trust you will lead me in the way everlasting. Now, if you like your life comfortable, if you prefer the humdrum of everything, then you got to do one of two things. You, you either need to not come back next week or the week after, just skip these next few weeks and forget any of this just took place. Or in the few next few moments, you can pretend to go through it, but just keep your heart hard against God. But if you look at the gospel, you look at the cross, you realize just how much God loves you. I think you can honestly pray, Lord, search me. Lord, test me. Lord, uncover me. And Lord, lead me. You don't know how he's going to answer this prayer. That's the scary part. But if you truly trust God, you can pray it and know that he has your best in mind, no matter how painful the journey might be. Because he loves you. He wants to do something great through you. He wants to bless you. And your greatest blessing is going to be found in him. And so that's why I invite you to join me on these 21 days of prayer. These are going to be three dangerous prayers. When you pray them honestly, you're giving God permission to do anything and everything he wants with you. But that's actually the absolute best and safest place that you can be. Now, I want to give you a couple of tools to help you on this journey. The first one is a little booklet. The ushers are right now going to pass these out, and I want everyone to have one. In, inside, oh, I forgot my booklet. If, if you'll hand me one. Thank you. What I want is for everyone to get one. And right now, go ahead and open it up to page 10. Page 10. Uh, page 10 it says day one. And today is day one of our journey. And I'm just going to walk you through a, an idea of how you can use this book. I know some of you, you read the Bible every day. Awesome. Great. Some of you, you have a plan. I'm simply asking not to abandon that, but to include this. If you don't have any sort of plan, then definitely do this. But I'm asking you to, to join us and let's do this together so that it isn't just a journey alone. It's just us together as a church family. Now, if you are in a growth group, be sure to bring this book to your growth group. Well, the Monday and Wednesday group. Tuesday group's doing something a little different. But Monday and Wednesday groups, bring your book because we're going to use these in, in our growth group. This is our growth group study guide. Now, here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. When you come to day one, so like this one, search me, O God. You see, it has there Psalm 139, 23. Now you know where I got my passage from for this week. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Now, that's what we've already read. And that's your temptation is just to, to read it. But here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Read it again, but read it a little slower. Maybe emphasize different words as you read it that second time. Then I'm going to encourage you to read um, 
I'm going to encourage you to uh, go through it a third time. But this time, pray it. Because after you've done it two or three times, you're actually going to have know the words enough that you can begin to pray through them. And make it a genuine prayer. Don't just go through the exercise. If you find yourself that third time through, just praying it to pray it, because Aaron said to do that, do it a fourth time. Do it until it becomes genuine, and it's truly from your heart, not just because you're trying to go through some sort of motions. Now, if you don't have any sort of Bible reading plan, I'm going to encourage you to then, for that particular day, there's different verses every day. So like on, on day one, you would go and read chapter 139 of the Psalms. Read, read the whole chapter. Make that your Bible reading for the day. If you already have a plan, then great. Do that and just include this verse and then pray through it. And then just read the content. This is written by Gary Rohrmeyer. Uh, Gary, a uh, long time ago, planted a church in Illinois. He grew like crazy. He saw tons and tons of people come to know Jesus. And he just has a huge heart for evangelism, but he also has a heart to disciple people. And he eventually ended up, after coaching a number of church planners, became the church planning director for Converge Mid-America. And he's now the director for uh, Converge Mid-America. And so in his desire to see the people in the churches that he helps lead really be submitted to God, he put this together. And so he's wanting to help you. So he's written some words there. It's going to take you 30 seconds to read that. But then when you get done, I'm going to encourage you to either just pray the prayer he has there at the bottom and to let that be your prayer. And, and, and if you want to, don't say the last word. Don't say I'm in. You keep praying if you need to. If you have time and want to, go over to the Big Five prayer journal. He, in the introduction, he explains where these questions come from. But then spend that time working through those. For, for most of you, this is adding three to five minutes in your day. So what I want to do is I want to give you a second tool. The ushers have already handed out the bracelets. I want you to use that as a reminder. As you see on the bracelets, they just simply say, Lord, search me, send me, uh, break me, send me. And so every time you, you go to adjust that or fiddle with that, there's your reminder to pray. Every time you go to like take it off before you know, you, maybe you take a shower, you head to bed, you know, there's your reminder to pray. In fact, I think we have so many. If you want, you could take a second one and you could do what our family does. We all have glasses and we put bands on them so we know whose glass is whose. Uh, so you could put it on your glass. So every time you go to take a drink, there's the band to remind you. Maybe you could hang it somewhere to remind you. Use it as a reminder. And this week, just keep praying, Lord, search me. Every day this week, you'll see uh, day one is search me. Day two, teach me. Day three, uh, fulfill your promises. Day four, examine me. And so maybe that's the prayer for the day. And so every day when you come across your band, you know, say you're on day four, that day you see your band, Lord, would you examine me? Would you just examine me? Know my heart. Prove that I am yours. Help show me. Would you, would you test me? Would you uncover me? Would you lead me? When you begin to pray this genuinely, you're giving God permission to do something great. Yeah, it could be scary. Next week, I'm going to share my own story of this scary moment, how I tried to fight against it and all the things that happened. But I'm going to tell you, it's worth it. Because I get you guys. I've seen God do things in other people. I've seen God work. And I want to see you have that same joy. I want to see you experience seeing someone come to know Jesus. I want to see God send you and you watch God do what only he can do through you and in you. So Father, I pray that you'd help us as a church family 
to genuinely pray, search me. Father, I believe that you have an agenda. Your agenda is for your story of your love to be spread. So I pray that before we go and spread it, that we would first know it. So Lord, I just pray right now for anyone who has not surrendered their life to you, that they would place you now first in their life, that they would let the idol of money or job or self, whatever it might be, be knocked off that mantle and for you to be put there, that they would bow their knee before your throne, letting you be their God and their sin would be washed away. They'd be made white as snow and your love and grace becomes their identity. But God, we recognize that just praying this isn't going to make life easy. For some of us, praying this is going to change some things. And for some of us, it's inviting us into something even more difficult than we're in right now. So God, that's why I pray you'd help us to trust you. And so for God to help us trust you, help us to look at Jesus, to see just how much you love us, to see what you did for Jesus, how you left your throne and you gave your life for us. And so you are a God that can be trusted. So God, would you just continue to work in us today, this week, through these 21 days, may you accomplish something for your glory and for our good and joy as you help us to pray, Lord, search me. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.